On this episode of How'd You Get Here, we interview Bar 3 studio owner, Katie Heap. It's a great story of a Division One athlete who took all that energy and applied it to entrepreneurship. I hope you enjoy this interview. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> she is a entrepreneur, I'd say, mm-hmm. and a employer, a business owner. Yeah. So you do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to have you on because I think there's a lot of people who, you know, think about opening franchises or yeah. thinking about opening up their own business or doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. And they're always curious of like, where do I start and how do I begin? Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to get to that with you. But I think before we get to that, I kind of want to hear your story. I always like to um, I always like to kind of hear about, you know, where people came from, how they started what they're doing, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Because sometimes, I mean, maybe maybe you grew up advantaged or maybe you grew up disadvantaged. Yeah. And so we can yeah. kind of hear how how all that played out. So okay. So without further ado, why don't you go ahead and, and just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about where you grew up, where you came from, and all that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. Um, so I was, uh, I was actually born abroad um, oh. in Holland, of all places. So are you like a citizen? I, uh, so I lost my dual citizenship when I turned 18, oh, which was a huge bummer. I didn't even realize it at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my, actually, my legal name is Katarina. Um, and so kind of hard to say it is. And it was botched all growing up, you know, Katarina or Katrina. Um, so So why were you born there? My dad, uh, worked for Arthur Anderson for a really long time. So he was transferred overseas. We lived in the Hague, which is, uh, kind of near the coast. Okay. And then we were there. I was born just, I think a few weeks after we arrived and, um, we were in the Hague for a year. And then from there, my dad was transferred to the Brussels office and we were in Brussels, Belgium for two years and then eventually made our way back, uh, to Northern California which is where I grew up for the most part through middle school. Um, and uh, I, we, I was outside all the time. Yeah. Grew up in the swimming pool. That's how I was potty trained. Of all <laughs> things, I wouldn't take my swimsuit off. Oh, and okay. so my mom's like, well, you can't wear a diaper and wear a swimsuit. And I'm like, fine. Um, so that was that. Um, so Potty's I was, trained in a pool. I uh, think, uh, you know, is that good or bad? I was so stubborn. I mean, just like my daughter. Um, <laughs> just like my daughter. It all comes full circle. Yeah, it does. Um, so I was a really active kid. I was a uh, competitive swimmer for a long time. Um, and then eventually uh, f- found my way playing tennis and really liking that. Um, I, I think I played every sport under the sun. Super competitive I was the middle child. Okay. Um, so we just had to like fight to get hurt or... Older sister, younger brother. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think I just came out of the womb that way. I mean, I wanted to do everything. Um, so I was always running from soccer practice, you know, rip the jersey off, throw the suit on, dash to the pool type scenario. Um, so we were always busy. And then uh, we made our way to Seattle, Washington, um, which is a beautiful part of the country um, and really enjoyed my time there. But that's where I really kind of focused in on playing tennis. Okay. Um, so I played tennis really competitively. Um, I traveled all over the country wow. through the summers. 
um, year round, um, and then eventually took my tennis next level and played at the University of Notre Dame. Oh wow! On a scholarship, so D one. Yeah, D one tennis. Yeah, it was it was a phenomenal experience. So your parents, it sounds like they're pretty supportive of you. Like, oh yeah, because you, you have to travel and drive yeah. around yeah. and yeah, really be involved in your children's lives when. Yeah. When they're involved in a sport at that level. So. Yeah. I mean, we, we were very fortunate. My, my dad worked a lot. Um, he traveled a fair amount. Um, my mom was able to stay home with us and was really involved in everything from our school and, and PTA. She handmade our Halloween costumes. Um, she drove us everywhere, just a constant shuttle bus to activity, activity. And the more I kind of found my passion, I think, the more challenging it became to get me to all these places. Um, you know, it meant that my family had to go to vacation in Arizona at every, you know, Christmas because of the Fiesta Bowl. And so it, it, you know, it became a little bit of a burden on my siblings having to go certain places because of tennis or having my mom or my dad gone for a certain chunk of time because I'm off in Atlanta for a week, um, playing tennis. So it was extensive travel. Um, and it, it became really hard. It it eased up a little bit when I could drive myself because it was, you know, every day, um, all the time. Right. So you loved it. I, I, I did. I did love it. I did love it. It wasn't until later that I found bar three that I didn't realize how much, um, passion that I really kind of did have that I didn't have for tennis, but didn't know that. Mm. Um, I just knew I was, I was really good at it. Um, and I enjoyed it. And I think I really, um, I think the part that I loved the most about it was once I did get to Notre Dame and having that team, that group of girls that we were all really close with, um, that made it really fun because it became less of an individual sport Mm -hmm. and it was just all about the team because it's a very individual sport growing up, um, which can be hard. It's very isolating because you're all out there by yourself. It's not a team sport. So I think that's the part of it. Unless you're playing doubles. Unless you're playing doubles. But, um, but, but truly until you get to a collegiate level, right there, the focus is all singles. It's, it's all individual. It's just you, it's your ranking, it's your results. And there is doubles at these tournaments, but they don't really mean anything as far as being recruited. If that makes any sense. Do you have any regrets at all sometimes i hear from people who played at a com- very competitive yeah. level like that that yeah. they're like no i never learned how to play violin or i never learned how to do x y and z because i had yeah. to choose between the sport i or- know you know I, um i had such a great experience playing collegiate sports i think the thing i, I missed out on uh is being able to study abroad hmm. i wasn't able to do that um we were if we weren't playing if we weren't at, the, at Notre Dame during the summer, taking summer school and training, you were expected to be playing and training at home. And um, there really wasn't an opportunity to take a break. We didn't get the usual spring breaks with our friends. Um, we didn't get to do a lot of the things that normal college students do. So you kind of do miss out on a certain element of it because there's a fall season and then our big travel seasons in the spring starts basically in January when you get home from winter break. So I think that I really wish I could have studied abroad. Um, That was probably the one thing I I feel like I missed out on. But then at the same time, I had the experience of traveling and doing all these things and leaving campus that a lot of students didn't get to do. Right. Yeah. Did you find that it really kept you out of trouble being involved (laughs) in a sport at that level? 
um, growing up or in yeah, college growing or both? Up, both, yeah. Um, I think I think so. I, I I honestly don't know. I think my mom kept us on the straight and narrow. Um, I think she probably would have kept me on the straight and narrow had I not um, been playing uh, so much, um, spending so much time playing sports. But I think it did. I, I think it it got me um, involved with a really good group of kids that were really serious about their athletics as well, and that they were also really serious in the classroom. Um, so we all had the same um, goals and the drive to be to excel, you know, not just on, you know, in the pool, on the tennis court or on the field, but also we wanted to play at a collegiate level. And in order to do that, you also, you know, had to be um, your, you know, your your grades had to be up at a certain level, too. Right. Um, that was always really important to me. Do you. What was the end goal? I mean, was it just like, I want to play in college or I want to be Serena Williams and like be crushing it? That's a good question. You know, I actually didn't have aspirations of of turning pro. I think at a certain age and a pretty young age, you know if you have what it takes to go pro and you you know if you don't have what it takes to go pro. Is that like a skill or just an internal drive? No, it's a, it's a level. It's, it's, it's something that, I mean, these kids that you see on TV that are playing at the open at a young age or not, I mean, they are, they're unicorns. They, they are being like handpicked. They are so far and above kind of the average right. player. It's like a, a gift that you're born with that's really it not is, taught. It is. And I think at that point, you know, you don't, you don't really go to school. You know, you, you attend academies and, um, and you're almost groomed. The, you know, the USTA, the United States Tennis Association, usually has those people and they're, and they're grooming them at various locations and academies. Um, and that is 100% their focus. And I know they do go to school and some of them care about it more than others, but more often than not, it is all sport. It is all tennis, all training, all the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, getting a college degree was very important to me. It, um, tennis allowed me, to, I think, to go to the University of Notre Dame where, you know, and I was a very good student, but I don't think I would have gotten in. It's yeah, so competitive a, right. and it's, it's got even more competitive. Um, my cousin has recently been there. So, um, you know, it, it allowed me to to excel um through college and and give me almost that stamped application to get to get in um it's very competitive so that was always my goal was to get the best college education I possibly could but also to play I really really wanted to play um and I was fortunate enough to kind of have my pick of where I wanted to play yeah um but it was it was just a feeling that um that aligned when I walked on campus that I just knew it was the right place for me. So I was very fortunate. That's awesome. Yeah. So then you when you were in school, you're it's like all right, focusing on sports, mm-hmm. focusing on ac- academics. What did you study in school? So I was uh, a business major and I um I always had I guess um dreams of working for Nike or or Gatorade. Um, I liked the creative aspect. I was never, um, I wouldn't say I was very creative in the sense that I could just freehand draw something or that I, you know, that I could sing or, or just pick up an instrument and start playing. Um, but there was just something to the marketing and advertising piece, um, that I, that I really liked and I really liked sports. So I liked the idea of doing something in sports marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew I wanted to do business. So I enrolled in, um, 
in the Mendoza College of Business, I believe it was my sophomore year. Um, and then at that point, you do take all the basic classes, finance, accounting, marketing, management. Um, and I definitely knew I didn't want to do a few of those. And so <laughs> I did accounting. Yeah. <laughs> in finance. Um, so I, I, you know, marketing was, was kind of a natural fit. It was fun. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of it is common sense, but there's, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to it, um, that I think now to this day, you know, have been helpful as a business owner and certainly in my career leading up to it. Um, and so I was a marketing major and I certainly tried to get into the sports marketing field, which yeah. is really hyper competitive. competitive. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. So that was kind of the direction I was, was hoping to get when I was in college is, you know, use tennis to get an outstanding education. And then from there would be move on to the business world. Right. Yeah. So when, when tennis was done, when you graduated mm-hmm. college, was it a, a relief? Was it like, cause you kind of have yeah. to train at a, an exceptional level, mm-hmm. right? To keep up, to stay at that level. Yeah, it's it's year round, hundred yeah. percent. You can't just like slack off if you want to. No, be number one. <laughs> no, no, there really weren't any days off. Um, I mean, there were, but you just didn't get like the summer off yeah. or Christmas break off. I mean, you're always you're always playing, always training. Um, so uh, my uh, my junior year, my mom was actually diagnosed with uh, cancer. Um, the September of my junior year. And she ended up passing away in August right Mm. before I I started my senior year at Notre Dame. Um, So coming back my senior year and and playing was was very difficult from a mental standpoint. I was ill-equipped on so many levels to be dealing with uh, such a loss. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also being a a captain of my team. It was, um, I think, looking back a bit... um, I was just unprepared. I didn't have the resources. I was far away from home. So um, so playing was challenging. And by the time we got to NCAs my senior year, I was, I was done. I actually, uh, I mean, my coach knew it. We finished the Big East Championship, and I was just in tears. I just had n- nothing left mentally. Right. Um, so I didn't play in the, champ- the national championship my um, – senior year. And I actually, I actually coached. I, I stayed on the sideline with my team and I was, you know, very involved that way, but I didn't play. Hmm. Um, it just, uh, I just didn't have it. I was done. So, um, so for that reason I was done. Um, but, but when I look back on all the years of training, I was, I was happy to hang them up. Yeah. You know, it was really tiring and I was looking forward to finding other areas of my life that I could kind of dedicate that, um, that time to that drive to, I still, I still always wanted to be physically fit, but I knew that I wasn't going to be playing tennis and and joining leagues. Once I left Notre Dame, I kind of, I needed a break. Yeah. Yeah. So then after college, Mm -hmm. um, what, what did, what was your plan? I mean, were you just putting resumes out or? Yeah. I mean, Notre Dame has a, they have phenomenal support at the university. They, ho- they hosted several job fairs and you speak to all different types of companies. And as much as you're prepared and you're well-educated and, you know, parents that are, uh, you know, my father was, you know, very successful in the business world. And I had all sorts of guidance and people, I, y- you just kind of fumble around a little bit trying yeah. to find your footing, you know, and sometimes it takes a really long time. Um, and it, as it turns out, I was lucky enough to get an internship, uh, within the athletic department at the university of Notre Dame. So I stayed, 
I oh, actually wow. stayed. I graduated and I came back in the fall and I lived in South Bend and became a townie. Nice. And, um, you know, it, it was fun. It was fun because I was still around the campus. Um, I, I still saw my, my coach and a lot of the people that I knew as an athlete and a student. Yeah. Um, so I, I was making nothing, you know, a stipend, <laughs> nothing, right. um, you know, needed some help from my dad, but I loved it. We worked nonstop for, you know, almost nothing. Yeah. Um, but it, it, you know, I had a, I had a great time. Um, and at the coming to the close of that year, I, w- it was a year program. I was kind of looking again, what do I do now? Right. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have some friends from Notre Dame who they were in the medical device industry. And, you know, at that point I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was barking down Nike's door, Adidas door, and I was just getting nothing. Nobody was calling No, back. nothing, not even a phone interview. So I needed a job, and I was lucky enough to land a job um, within a very large medical device company, Becton Dickinson. They're based out of New Jersey. And I moved to Chicago and became like a sales rep, um, basically like a sales intern first, shadowing, yeah. um, learning. And I was there for not even a year before I was transferred back out to California um, to be a full-time sales rep and it's kind of a story from there yeah yeah <laughs> i know it's 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 you, like a complete plan these complete things. 180 <laughs> i know i know and i so here i was now in the med device industry and just you know almost living out of my car driving all over the place and um it was very isolating again right you're alone it, yeah yeah um and um kind of trying to establish your life too after college just socially and um and so to figure out who you are. Yeah. And what is it, what it is I wanted to do. I think at that point, you know, I was just collecting a paycheck. I, right. I, I was, I was learning. It was a great company. I, I met some really wonderful people, but it just wasn't going to be a long-term thing for me. Yeah. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get a call from Stryker, which is a really, which is an even bigger company. Um, and one of their divisions was based in San Jose. So just South of where I was, and they were hiring for a position in their corporate office in for marketing and events. And so that sounded a little bit more up my alley. And I went to interview and there was a lot of, um, it seemed like a lot of people like me, they, um, they actually do hire a ton of ex athletes. It's kind of their MO. Um, and they were young and smart and driven and everybody still worked really hard. Uh, but it was a pretty, um, close team and it felt kind of right. And so I made the leap and, and left sales and went in house and, and it was great. I ended up meeting my now husband there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what eventually left, uh, led me out to Colorado, um, was his transfer from Stryker, um, San Jose out to Stryker, Denver. Okay. So So. he still works with Stryker. He doesn't, he was with them for almost 11 years, but he's with a different, he's with a different med device company now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately all these things you look back and you kind of wonder, this crazy path that you're on and, you know, you see cert- the purpose of it. Yeah. But at the time you kind of feel lost. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Should I go back? Should I go to MBA? Should I get my MBA? Should I go to law school? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I was really kind of floundering there and, you know, um, I spoke with aunts and uncles and my dad and, you know, I think there was a, a huge void in not having my mom in, mm-hmm. in a lot of aspects all throughout life, but, um, just not knowing what to do. You know, you have, you're in this, big C and you could do anything you want. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. Right. But it sounds like it's important to kind of push yourself into something. Right. And then yeah. allowing things to work out as, as they, 
you know, unfold. Yeah, it, it, it took a while, but it did. Yeah. I mean, eventually, you know, now sitting here and, and looking back at all these these choices and in different directions um, and turns, and, and I'm very fortunate. I, I never would have known, but, yeah. you know. So then you get married in California? No, okay. we, we moved out here to Denver, and okay. I transferred, and I um, started working for another med device company here based in South Denver, not far from where we are now. Um, and, um, we didn't get married for, I think another three or four years. Okay. Um, and I was, I was in the med device industry ever since I, I left Notre Dame. I was yeah. in med device and healthcare throughout my career until my daughter was born. And, um, and I took a step back and, and eventually found, um, found my path on ownership toward with bar three. Yeah, so tell me about that. Yeah. Tell me that story about how. Yeah. So, so you're working for the man, right? Working you're, for the man. <laughs> you're doing that thing, collecting a paycheck. Collecting um, a paycheck. You know, yeah, that, I think that's what it was. Working for the man, collecting a paycheck, not really finding you know a whole lot of passion. Um, and I reason to wake up every morning. Yeah, I uh, and then I was in the gym, you know, just doing circuit training and cardio weights, just never finding that same passion that I had with tennis, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I was really kind of missing a lot, just missing purpose, passion, and so things I really enjoy. And I and I did find um, bar based classes. I want to say now seven, seven or eight years ago. And it was the first group fitness class I've ever taken. You know, I've, I've always worked one-on-one with trainers and it was always tennis and, and training and gym and weights and sprints. So I've never done anything like this, hmm. certainly with a ballet bar, you know, in <laughs> yeah. it. Um, but I really, it went by really fast. I loved the music. Uh, it was challenging in, in a very, very different way. And I think I was just um, looking for something, for someone to tell me what to do and something that was fun and something that would keep me fit. And so I, I, I found these classes and I, and I stuck with them. Nothing I ever thought. It was with a different um, bar-based company at the time. And um, a friend of mine uh, told me about Bar 3. And it was very different than what I was doing. And I had incurred an injury with this particular studio and I knew I couldn't stay, you know, I was going to find myself back in physical therapy. So, um, I gave it a shot and it was very different, um, in a, in a lot of really good ways. Mm -hmm. And, and so at that, at that point I had no idea what that would lead to. Um, but I knew that all of a sudden I was, prioritizing my time at the studio, like a meeting, like a really important meeting. I have to get there. I planned out my week around it. Um, I would, you know, ditch out and duck out for class in the middle of lunch and speed back, um, to make it back for meetings and wake up at five 30 in the morning to go to 6am class, which I've never done. You know, I wouldn't even, (laughs) I I certainly didn't want to do that to play tennis. So it was just very different. And there was just something about it that I didn't even have the same drive to go play tennis. Yeah. Uh, and, and after all those years and the investment and I just, um, this was like you fell in love with, I it. did, I did. It, yeah. I was, I was passionate to, a, to an extent that I really didn't know I had. Yeah. Uh, it felt good. It was almost like 
mental and spiritual for me. And it gave, yes, it gave me the benefits that I wanted. I ended up getting pregnant, um, as a client, as a bar three client. And I was, I was very fortunate in my pregnancy to be able to continue to exercise. You never Mm -hmm. know what's going to happen with a pregnancy. So I was very fortunate to to do that. And, um, up until I think my water broke, I think I went to class on a Friday night and my water (laughs) broke on Saturday. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and when my daughter was, I want to say she was two months old, the home office in Portland sent an email out to uh, all the Denver-based clients and, and asked if anyone was interested in owning. And I had thought about it before. Uh, I just had never done anything about it. Yeah. Thought, Gosh, wouldn't this be great? If, if this could be my job, uh, I would be happy all the time. It wouldn't feel like work. Right. So I responded to this email and I'm, you know, cross-eyed tired and, you know, breastfeeding and all the things. And I, I filled it out and the, the lady reached back out to me and um, kind of told me the process. And I was just, this is not the right time. Like, I, what am I doing? I have a two-month-old baby. Right. I am exhausted. This just doesn't feel like the right time to be doing this. Yeah. So I... So real quick, yeah. did you... Did you talk to your husband about it at all? Yeah, like, of course. You, you get the email yeah. and say, hey, I got this email. Yeah, and, and we had talked about it before the email ever yeah. came out. Uh, it was almost fortuitous that it did because otherwise I don't know that I ever would have made the leap right. to reach out and say, hey, I'm interested in owning. It is something I had thought, thought about actually for years because um, it truly was that first thing that I, tr- I had all this passion for that I just loved. Uh, it felt so good mentally and physically. And I had always been such an active person and, um, and I, and I loved that idea of right being involved in sports and marketing. And this was just a different kind of twist on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just so lucky to have found it and it just wasn't the right time. So fast forward a year and I'm home with my daughter you didn't go back to work at that point. I did go back for a little okay. bit. And then I did go back for a little bit. And then I kind of hung it up. I think she was five or six months. And uh, and then I was home. And I, I can't even tell you what happened. I think I literally woke up one day. And I think, I think this is the right time. I want to explore this. Hmm. It was almost like a light switch or something. I... I I couldn't put a finger on it. And I, and I told my husband, I said, Hey, I said, honey, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to reach back out. He's like, good, you should. So I did. And mm-hmm. it, it was a long process from there. It was almost a year of, of collecting information and data. And is this, what does this really look like? And, and what's the effort, the investment, all the, all the things and, and a year of trepidation and, and talking yourself out of it. Right. You know, what if, what if this doesn't work? Um, what does this mean for our family? It's, it was a lot of teeter tottering and, um, not sure if I could, not sure if I was, if I had the cojones to do it. (laughs) Um, and the, the home office knew that we were in conversations. They knew I was kind of going back and forth and, and they sent out a master trainer, uh, to visit the Denver studio, the Cherry Creek studio, which, where I had been a client all along. And she carved out some time to talk to me. And we had coffee at um, Aviano and Cherry Creek. I'll never forget it, sitting outside. And she's a mom herself. And she said, you know, Katie, uh, just go to Portland. You know, you, they, you could always say no. Just go. See how it feels. See what happens. And you can always make a decision. Going to Portland doesn't mean you're saying yes. I think I was also a little afraid of them saying no. 
because it's an interview and, and mm-hmm. they do say no. They say no a lot. Uh, so at that point, uh, she, she, she pushed me. And, and I scheduled the interview for uh, mid-August and flew out there and my husband came. And it was in a pretty intense, I think it was 48 hours. You took three classes and, and took a class from Sadie, the founder yeah. and CEO, to class from her. She's a cool lady. She's pretty remarkable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, so took class with her and then I had an audition because I wasn't an instructor. I was a client, which for them is a pretty big leap to go from client to owner because the big piece of it that's, that, that's missing is, you know, can you be a good instructor? Right. Uh, that's, I think, why Bar 3 or some other fitness studios are very different from other franchises because you're not just hiring someone to run a business for you. You are there and you are so physically ingrained in this company, this business. So I, t- I did my audition, my instructor audition, and they said, okay, well, um, go sit down at POA, which is a little coffee shop right next door, and, and we'll give you a call. And so you're sitting there waiting for this call. Really? And the call is either <laughs> you're meeting with Sadie, Chris, Sadie and Chris Lincoln, and, and Amy at the time was the vice president of franchise operations, or it's a no. <laughs> it's like and you go home. tryout. I know. <laughs> so here we are sitting next door, and I've just got my cell phone, and I, you know, your heart's just kind of racing. Um, and, the, and I got the call, and she said, well, you must have done something right. You're meeting with Sadie in 15 minutes. Oh, wow. I was like, okay. So, um, so we just walked right across the corner into the bar three headquarters and, and had about an hour and a half discussion with Sadie and Chris and Amy. And, um, it was, I think an interview both ways. Yeah. To see, Hey, can I get along with these people and do I want to work with them and do they like me? Sure. Sure. And you know, you're entrusting them at the helm of the company. They're Mm -hmm. the, they're right. The marketing, all that stuff is their call. Exactly. So it, um, I left there and they said, okay, well, we'll call you again. Uh, not sure when the call was going to come. I think they said within 48 hours. So we went and grabbed lunch and just tried to come down from all the nerves and anxiety yeah. of it all. The and adrenaline. It, and got a call and said, um, you're in. You're wow. in. We want you. Did you yeah. feel amazing at that point? Was that like one of those moments? I've had a few times in my life where yeah. I've worked really hard for something uh-huh. and then I got that yes. And it was just yeah. like screaming in my car like yes it was surreal <laughs> it was surreal i mean i, I cried my husband and i cried yeah. um because it, it was it was i think it was just so far out there it was such a dream and such a far departure of, of anything i ever thought i'd ever do mm. and so i think my m- m- what harper helped me see is that you know, you, yes, you can always say no, but if they say yes, I also kind of had to take that at face value too, that they had the confidence in me to help right. grow their brand. It's their company, you know, their yeah. company. Um, and, uh, and I didn't look back. It wasn't, okay, maybe let's talk about it. I mean, my husband and I just knew. Yeah, it was just like, this. okay, we're doing this. It's go time. Yeah, so we got a glass of champagne and went to the airport and flew home. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So how long ago was that? That was that was um, three years ago, August. Okay, so three years. Three ago. years ago, it took about a, almost a year and a half to get the studio open. Yeah. So is is Bar Three a franchise or is it? How does that how does that work? Yes, it is okay. a franchise. Um, it started in in Portland, Oregon, ten years ago. Okay. Ten years and a couple months ago, and um, Sadie and Chris Lincoln opened their first studio there. 
And then um, I want to say shortly after they did franchise, and again, mom and pop started in their living room, and they grew slowly from there. And now 10 years later, I think they're up to 148 locations. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so you get the yes, Mm -hmm. you fly home, Mm -hmm. and you're like... Crap, there's a lot of like <laughs> business admin that has to take place, right? I mean, you have to find a location. Yeah. Was mm-hmm. that was there any Help? weird Yeah, was there like there's another bar studio here mm-hmm. in town. Was there just one or is there was at, there multiple? At the time there was one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's just one in Cherry Creek. One in Cherry Creek. So I was gonna be the second location in Colorado and and um like other franchises, I assume there's territory rights. And right. so um so there was a certain territory that was off limits and then they had used a, a mapping or demographics based company to help kind of map out where they thought the Denver Metro area would grow. But essentially anything out of that territory is fair game. And it's just essentially, where do you want to go? Where, where do you think you have the best chance of success? Mm-hmm. You know, for us, I didn't want to be too far from our house. I kind of knew where I wanted to be. And I knew that if I didn't have that particular territory that I probably wasn't going to do it. I didn't want to commute down, you know, 30 minutes. It's just, you're there so much. It's a second home. So I, um, I had a great referral for a, um, a broker and they, the home office does have someone who helps in real estate. So you're not just flying blind. They have quite a bit of support, um, just kind of helping you through the process, particularly once you get into negotiations with mm-hmm. your with your landlord in regards to the lease. So that's huge. I mean, that's like amazing having a business help essentially built into mm-hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people, right, they have to Google till whatever and try to negotiate things on themselves. And Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think having somebody there to support me through the lease process was, um, I, I don't think you could put even a number on it. Uh, you know, the your broker is obviously there as a resource, but you have so many questions and they know because of the experience from other owners and other landlords kind of what, what is acceptable and what things are okay to push back on. And also what things that we could give on that weren't going to be quite as important as other things. So they, without knowing that, I don't, you know, I I don't think I could have, I mean, I, I just wouldn't have felt as confident through the process. It would have been, um, it would have been a really uncomfortable, lonely process. Right. Yeah. So you you find the area, mm-hmm. the location. Uh, you, yeah, it you took get, a while. You get help negotiating the sp- lease, the lease mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then uh, what kind of help do you get from as far as, all right, you have your grand opening, you pound the pavement, start... Actually, we do a lot of stuff before okay. the grand opening. So once your lease is signed, it's the first time you can go live on social media. So they have everything ready, your Facebook, your Instagram, um, literally everything, all your posts mapped out for two weeks. And, you know, then you start, then you start schlepping your stereo equipment and your core balls and your props and you start teaching classes and you're, you're basically drumming up and creating this community from the ground up. So teaching classes out of dance studios, uh, pop-up classes, kind of anywhere will, they'll have you. Wow. Um, and then it, it starts small and, and then the word grows and people bring their friends and you're just teaching all the time. So how long before, when you signed your lease, how long before your space was available? So it took a really long time to start, uh, to, excuse me, to sign my lease. So I started teaching at the Cherry Creek studio, mm-hmm. which, which was, um, 
invaluable experience for me to become an instructor in a studio and to have that experience. And the owner, Julie Gordon, was very generous to let me do that, um, to open up her studio to me um, as another owner in a, in a nearby marketplace. So I was able to teach there up until, and, and you know there was no talk of the new studio. It was very quiet. I was able to teach there up until we went live on social. And then from there, I went to, t- to, t- to teach classes. Um, and I think I'm veering off from your question, which was... Yeah, as far as... Oh, the time. Yeah. The time, yeah, that's right. I'm like sorry. how long before yeah. you got into your own yeah. space? So the lease negotiations took forever. And once we signed the lease in October, it actually went pretty quick after that. Mm-hmm. So it took so long that um, in, in the final stages of the lease, I actually had my permit and the plans before I even signed my lease, which I don't think had ever happened in the history of Bar 3. Um, so we were ready to go. Yeah. So and you moved into a new space, right? I mean, yeah. yours was it under construction? So it, the development itself uh, is kind of a three, well, it's more than that now, but three buildings. And the first building was, was open and running. It was the second building where we were going to be located. And we were waiting for that building to be done. And so that's why we had so much time. And so the lease did take a long time, but there was no reason to rush because the building wasn't ready anyways. So we were the first retail business to break ground, which, you know, good and bad. Um, You know, we didn't have power for almost the entirety of the build out. So we used generators and, and the crew worked really early and, but we couldn't finish. We couldn't finish the cork. We couldn't do, you know, the final, any of the electrical, anything. I mean, it's incredible what they did do. So we were... Uh, I think delayed from our target about two weeks because of because of that. Yeah. And when we opened, we didn't even have Comcast or you know we had no sort of internet. We were running on a jetpack. I mean, it was crazy. So yeah. during that season, are you going out there a lot? Like, how did you get people to even come to the like rec center or wherever you were going yeah. to? Um, you know, a lot of it was social media and friends inviting friends. And just, it's all just grassroots and it is, I mean, it's a drag, it's tiring. It was, you know, at first you you were just like hoping and praying people would, would show up, but you do these pop-up classes at businesses that, that are established. And so they are also helping to get people there, their clients, their customers. And so, you know, that, that's helpful. And then as you start to do that, then you build a database and then you start emailing them and letting them know where you're going to be next and that you're holding underground classes. And so it's, 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 it's unbelievable. It was, it, uh, yes. (laughs) I mean, that's like an understatement. Um, but that's the point is that when you open your doors, you're not just hoping people show up. Yeah. You built that community. Yeah. Yeah. And they've, they'd done it enough times before, you know, my studio opened that they knew this is kind of how you get it done. Right. Yeah. And people aren't just going to, you're not just going to open your doors and people are going to know bar three. It does take time. And even still with all the things we did, it takes time. Yeah. Uh, it's a massive market out there. Right. Yeah. Sounds like it's, it sounds like a, a blessing that not only were you passionate about Bar 3, but from what I understand, I mean, I, I work with a lot of franchises and I mm-hmm. know the difficulties that goes into that. Yeah. It sounds like they're, they got their stuff together. They do. And really make it yeah. a turnkey solution for you. It's like if you put in the work, you yeah. will see results. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and every market is is different um, for sure. And so, you know, one plus one doesn't equal success, but, um, but they do, they have, I, I, f- I forget the number of employees now, I think at the time they had 50 employees. And mm. so they are, they are, they've invested in the support, 
um, for their franchise owners, but also, you know, they're a big uh, Bar 3 online. So they have a very big presence online through their online workout and their streaming workout platform. So they have done all the right things to create the support to grow and to grow smart. You know, they, they've not, they've chosen to grow a little bit slower than other bar based franchises Mm -hmm. for, for good reason. So they do, I think at the time we had twice the number of employees in the home office that our nearest competitor did. Um, so they, I think they do really invest in, in making sure that things are done right. Yeah. Cause they want, they obviously want all their franchises to be successful. Mm-hmm. So after so many years, they know what works and you know, what doesn't work for the most part. And you kind of learn as you go in yeah. some areas too. So now you essentially, you teach classes, mm-hmm. right? And then what is on your shoulders as far as like growing the business and yeah, you know, what, what mm-hmm. kind of, cause obviously the more people come, the more classes you have to offer. So sure. then at that point you have to start hiring mm-hmm. employees or yeah, yeah. contractors. I don't yeah. know how that works. Yeah, no, they're all they're Um, gosh, um, you wear a lot of hats. Yeah. Um, I have an incredible staff, but you do wear a lot of hats, especially, you know, prior to opening, there's that construction hat and, there's accounting and, and finance and analytics and HR and you're a coach and you're a mentor and then oh by the way you're mom and a wife right. too so <laughs> on it's on top of all that it's kind of, I mean, you're you feel like well I do at least you're just incessantly like on a hamster wheel um, and every day's a little different um, but um, and you're asking in terms of the, the kind of what you, we do on a daily basis or yeah like what. At this point, like, what is your goal? Like, yeah. what what do you what do you see for your your business? What do you see for yourself? How do you, like, how do you want to grow it? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, well, the growth growth comes naturally, but it, it also, you know, our our focus we're so f- laser focused on delivering an exceptional client experience, um, new clients, returning clients like your wife, um, anyone who walks through the door, kind of no matter where they are, where they come from and how long they plan on staying, that they're really important to us. And so that is everything that we're focused on. Mm -hmm. So from teaching remarkable classes every single time to the way they're greeted at their front door to, you know, the studio being impeccably clean and, and having the best retail and, um, having superior childcare. I mean, that is, that is our focus. And, and a lot of that, um, turns into word of mouth mm-hmm. and and bring getting people in the door but the thing that i that never ends for us is that revolving door of clients is yeah. that you know people move and and things change and so that that base of clients that you work really hard to grow um is constantly changing and so you are always scratching and clawing to maintain and to grow kind of all at the same time so that from a client base and then also you know from a staffing base um you know sometimes you you do lose people and so you you know you have to kind of hold your ground and and recruit and and kind of get back to where you are but it's it's all growth and and what doesn't change is that community outreach Mm -hmm. teaching classes getting out there networking uh so Getting that, involved in, in communities where it makes sense, um, that, that just never, that'll never end Yeah, for us, does a lot of that no fall on, on your shoulders as far as um, that goes, the, the vision and direction or? The, 
yes, I, I, I would say, yes, I'm very, still very much in, in charge of the strategy and, and I take all that kind of upon myself. However, I have, again, an amazing staff and I do have a, a studio manager who's very involved in the business and who helps me in, in basically every aspect. And so she and I uh, make a really good team and we're able to kind of extend our efforts um, and also allow me. I also had a, uh, found out I was pregnant 19 days into opening the studio. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I had a baby in the first year. Um, so all that, um, you know, became very challenging. But she and I together are, are, are working to, to grow. And um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So do you find, is, is, there some, is there like uh, constraints to your growth as far as, would would you have to move different spaces or no. is there kind of like the sky's the limit? Um, I mean, for the most part, sky, sky is the limit. Uh, we, I've only <laughs> seen like smaller studios. Like you've yeah. never seen like a giant place, but I'm sure maybe in Seattle or Oregon, there's like larger. So the only, I mean, truly the only constraint is the number of spaces you have in your studio. So there's, you know, certain classes where you have um, capacity constraints, mm-hmm. But, you know, we're still we're still not even two years in. And so we're we're in a growth phase. And I think most studios do see a pretty big upwards tick for at least three years. And so we're still seeing really good growth. And we have a lot of room in terms of the schedule to build out to a more full schedule. Mm -hmm. We're almost I think we're at 30. 32 classes and I, you know, there is capacity in terms of the day to grow to like 48. I think that's a lot of classes and I'm not sure when we'll get there, but there is, um, that's like how you could, you could, you could do that. Yeah, Yeah. you could. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do do you find yourself kind of thinking about the business on constantly just thinking about how to grow or it's 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. Or are people calling you? I mean like, Hey, mm -hmm. so-and-so called in sick or, in terms of like staffing, yeah, I mean, do you deal or? with all those things too, or does your studio manager handle yeah. a lot of that, that w- stuff? A little bit of both. I mean, a yeah. little bit of both. I mean, um, I think the part that it just never, it, you just, it's you're just never off. Yeah. Um, whether you're on vacation or um, away from the studio at night, and I think some owners are probably better than others at, at just shutting it off. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one that's very good at that. Um, I. I can't, I, it's not that it's, you know, I'm not comparing anyone else at all. I, I, it's something I actually need to work on is, is kind of finding that little step, that not work little separation. Yes. <laughs> that elusive, that elusive term that we strive for yeah. in, in our studio, but also in my life is, is, is finding that balance. And, and it's hard because I love it so much and I care about it. I care about our clients. I care about our staff and I just really enjoy it. And it's, it's, um, you know, it's an extension. It's, it's kind of my legacy aside from my children. Um, it's a, it's, it's so personal to me. So I care about every email. I care about every client experience, good or bad. And I care about, um, you know, the studio being deep cleaned. And Mm I, I mean, every little bit of it is, is very personal to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, are, are, is that those kind of things like the studio being clean, the, the, the customer service, is that a bar thing or is that like your, a lot of your personality? S- the client experience is I think what bar three studios aim to do right. uh, across the country. I can't speak for other bars, bar based companies. Um, and, and again, I think 
I mean, I just, I'm OCD anal. So, um, that just carries into the fact that I, when, when somebody walks into the bathroom, I want it to be spotless. Yeah. And when they're working on the floor, you know, in, in the middle of our class, I want it to be clean. I don't want, you know, that, that really matters to me. It mattered to me as a client Mm. and it matters to me now. And so, um, you know, it matters to the people that work for me. Yeah. Because it's a big deal. I think that's awesome because I think you go to a lot of places and even like restaurants or something like that. And you just have that sense like, I don't think the owner cares mm. about this. Like, you, it may have that shininess, but then you go to the bathroom and it's yeah. like filthy. You're like, oh, yeah. Somebody's like, <laughs> I know. I, and I didn't probably notice it as much as I do notice now. Right. You know, just as much as I care about it. Um, you know, cleaning the corners and the toilets and folding towels and, you know, some, I mean, it is monotonous work and you, like you said, you wear so many hats and, but it's mine. It's a labor yeah. of love and, and I'll be on my hands and knees cause I care about it and it really matters. It actually makes me feel really good to know right. that it's being cared for and that, and, and that the clients see it cause we get comments all the time, you know, not just about cleanliness. That's, that's one thing, but they notice it. And yeah. they, they tell me how much they appreciate it. So I'm, it's, it's not going unnoticed, yeah, which is good. That's good. Yeah. Well, I think it's one of those things, too, when you pay attention to the details. Sometimes there's people like something. They don't know why they like it, mm-hmm. right? It's like, a, it's like that magical something. But you know, it's like, oh, because I've spent all this time working on these things and paying attention to these details, it's just something magic happens where someone connects with that and they don't even know why. Yeah. You know, and I think that's pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah. Well, awesome. Uh, it sounds just like an amazing story as far as like from where you came from, just playing tennis, going to college, working in the medical device I industry, know. Know. and then owning your own franchise. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's really cool that you're able to you know, do something that you love and, and, um, you know, have the help that you have, you know, Uh, from the the franchise. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much of it. It's, you know, the support from my husband too. Had you ever thought about doing your own business? Like, Hey, let's do snow cones or no, (laughs) no, not at all. (laughs) I mean, I think my husband and I have you know, in the past I've talked about like opening a wine shop or something when we're, we're tired, but, right. but never really seriously. And actually he came from a family of small business owners. His grandfather came across, um, the boat from Italy and, oh, and wow. owned a small business. He was a, sh- um, owned a shoe shop in Baltimore. So he grew up in that, um, in that environment. And I didn't, um, so I, it was almost like a true stroke of fate and luck that kind of led me here and and I am very fortunate to have a supportive husband. I mean, it is scary from a financial standpoint. I mean, right. uh, you know, all kind of romance aside, it's it's a huge investment and it's scary and yeah. it's really scary. You know, just because the Bar Three Studios have been successful in the past doesn't mean that everyone is going to be successful. And yeah. I, and I think that was, you know not the main driving force behind my drive to be successful and to make sure that, you know, we are not going to fail. Uh, but fear is, is a motivator. Yeah. It just is. And, um, you know, luckily we're, we're 
certainly well past that hump. Um, and it is a lot more enjoyable now. I think, you know, prior to opening the doors in the first couple of months, it's just, there's so much fear, you know, is this going to work? Um, but, but the fuel behind it again is what I'm so lucky to have is, is that passion to do something that I, that I love and really care about so that, you know, doing emails late at night or, you know, taking time away from my, my kids and, you know, kind of not being able to unplug in situations where I'd like it's, you know, it's all worth it to me mm-hmm. in the end. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't be doing it. I think that's a big Yeah, piece. it seems like you have a really cool culture as far as people get really invested in... Yeah. I know, like, my wife, you know, she, she goes to your studio, mm-hmm. and that's why we're even having this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, um, Rebecca. Because she thought, you're really mm-hmm. cool, and you should have her on your show. I said, all right, sounds good. You fit in my demographic of people who I want to yeah. hear their story. Um, but yeah, it seems like you've built a really good culture as, you know, because she's a fan and she tells all of her friends. And so I think that that's really important when you, when you're creating something to create something where you have passionate followers Mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. And that's a big piece of, of bar three, um, from a studio level, but even at a greater level and, and reaching all the thousands of people who stream bar three across the country or across the world is community and, Mm -hmm. and creating a sense of, of belonging and a home for people, a safe place for people. And, um, and I think that that's what bar three studios do throughout the country is they create an amazing sense of community for people of acceptance. Um, group fitness in and of itself can be very intimidating, especially Mm. as a woman, um, uh, to, to be, to walk into a studio and not know what to expect and to have all sorts of fears. I mean, you name it. Um, we've seen it, we felt it, I felt it, we've been there. And, and when they walk in our studio, we want everyone to feel like we're just giving them a big hug, you know, like this is your place. We got you. You're going to have an amazing class. And if there's, you know, we're here for you for whatever you need, because so much of it is, is not related to bar three. You know, right. people go, life is hard and messy. And, and I think bar three and, and being there kind of strips away that a little bit. Um, and it becomes so much more than a workout. And it becomes so much more than, you know, a fitness studio. It is a community. And I think we have been very fortunate in hiring a lot of really good people. Um, mm. And I think that's one thing that, um, that I'm, that I'm most proud of is, being patient in, in hiring the right people, um, and not just growing because I, I need bodies, but waiting and making sure that they're the right people. Um, like a culture fit. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so that, that, that even when I'm not there, that they embrace it and they understand it, appreciate it and love it. And that's why they do it. It exudes from everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the type of client that we also attract is, you know, we have an amazing group of clients and they are generous and supportive and, um, kind and, and they are wit whip smart. They are, I mean, they're just badass <laughs> and, and I like being around them and they like being around each other and they, f- they form friendships, whether or not they knew each other before or after, or sometimes they're finding friends that they hadn't seen in a while. And all of a sudden they find themselves going to the same studio. So it's, it's really fun to see that being fostered within the walls that you've built. And then also from a personal standpoint, I think the piece of it that's kind of comes back to the the part I love most about competitive tennis is my team mm-hmm. and, and the group of girls that are kind of in the trenches with you 
Um, You're the captain all over again. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yes, I, I am. But um, but it's 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 different. It's it is mine, but it's also theirs. They take a lot of a pride in and ownership of what they do. And um, again, no one's really doing it for the money. They do it because they love it and they yeah. want to better people's lives. And it just it gives them a sense of fulfillment. And I think that's what makes it so special is that everyone truly loves it and they do it because of that, because of that passion and because they want to, um, they want to help people. And, and this, these group of girls, I mean, I couldn't have picked, I I mean, I think when I started off, I was like, how on earth am I going to find a team to teach these classes? And, and I never could in my wildest dreams have put together a group that a teach such phenomenal classes, but they're just awesome people Hmm. and we all get along and it's, um, it's just phenomenal. It's so fun. Yeah. It's so fun. It's like having your team all over again and it's, it's even better. That's cool. That's awesome. So I want to hear a little bit about your interests, things that you're into. (laughs) Um, one question I had was, did, excuse me, did you have any mentors or, you know, people that you, called and said, man, this is hard. And they just encourage you or. Yeah. You know, the, the bar three owner network is very generous. There's, um, a couple different avenues where we all kind of interact and ask questions and reach out. And, and I can't think of anyone that hasn't been completely generous with, with questions from me and from, and from other people. I think the lines are like always open. I, I don't have a mentor, you know, like, mm-hmm. Hey, so-and-so is, you know, Katie's a mentor out in Denver, but, um, but the lines are open and I, I have, I've ca- called a few seasoned owners on, on a few different things, but you know, it's the girls that I went through my owner training with when I was out in Portland, we were there for almost two weeks and you're, you become extremely close. And I think there's a group of eight of us now and, um, we are in constant contact and they're like sisters, yes, you know, to me, they're, they're, yeah. they are, they're, they're my family yeah. and they, they know everything, you know, they've been through it all. They, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, there isn't anything that we haven't seen and they offer such amazing advice. And, um, between that group of eight girls and kind of our other, owner networks. I mean, they're like my lifeline. Mm-hmm. And so I don't get to see them that often. It's at least once a year but you have like a back Facebook at the group owners. Or uh, we're, well, we're on a group text. So <laughs> nice. I think, I mean, I don't know, like 500 messages a day. <laughs> um, and there is a closed Facebook group for all the owners. Yeah, nice. So yeah, they're my lifeline. Like yeah. they are, they're my, you know, they're my ride or die. What do you do to stay inspired or, you know, stay motivated? And what are some things that you, you do for yourself? outside or mm-hmm. or with in terms of the business yeah i mean i think you know both like because a lot of times right you 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 get discouraged or or you get overworked or you're spinning so many yeah. plates what are the things you do for yourself like that you say all right whether it's reading or yeah you know well, this is an area I'm not great in. <laughs> an area um, of growth. <laughs> an area of growth. An area of opportunity, yeah. right? Um, you know, it's, it's like oddly enough, you know, I need to be a client um, just as much as, as, as my clients do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think sometimes you find yourself either teaching a lot of classes or, you know, life just getting too hectic where you don't get to go in and just be a client mm-hmm. and just get to take class and move and whatever that means for you in that day. 
Um, so I do, I try and take classes as a client and, you know, I'm not, I'm not very good at carving out time to do other things. Um, but I've been trying to take better care of my body. Um, it's a very physical job. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been a lot more cognizant and aware of putting my work away at a certain time at night, whereas I could get sucked in, you know, and work until midnight every night if I allowed myself to. So it's really, um, it's a daily, I think, balance of getting things done and then being with my family. You know, it's, if I'm not at the studio or at home working, I mean, I'm with my family and I'm, I'm mom. Um, so that's a, that's a lot of my life outside of the studio is is being mom. My daughter turns five on Saturday and my son turns one on Monday. Oh wow. So they're just two days, four years, two days. It was, it was a close call there. (laughs) I went into labor the day after her birthday. Oh wow. Um, so yeah. And you know, just spending time just outside the studio with my husband, we love to cook Mm. and, um, we love really good wine and being out. I think I like your husband. Yeah. He likes to cook. I'm like, he's he's Italian. Uh, he's, he's actually a very talented baker too. (laughs) Okay. Nice. A very talented baker. So it, it's a good thing I do own a fitness studio. (laughs) Um, so, you know, we're just, um, you know, we're kind of homebodies. Yeah. We spend a lot of time together. We're really invested in our children. And, um, you know, back in the day, we used to travel all the time. But, you know, that's kind of on the back burner for yeah, now. Yeah, for a little yeah. season. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but if, if I'm not working or with my family, you can usually find me cooking um, and trying to enjoy a glass of wine yeah. and unwind. That's from awesome. From being mom. What's your, what's your favorite food? Favorite food? Yeah. Gosh. Are you like super strict diet wise? It's like no. I mean everything in everything in moderation. moderation. Truly, I think I'd go crazy. Um, I like I said, my husband's a baker, so there's always something around the house. I definitely have a sweet tooth, but I do. I mean, I I think everything in in moderation. Um, I I know that when I eat better, I feel better. Um, you know, I certainly perform better in the studio, but I'm by no means. Um, like a total health food nut who, you know, right. isn't fun Wheat to go out to dinner with. No, <laughs> no, no. But I, you know, I, I know enough about nutrition right. that I, you know, I, I think we do eat, you know, pretty healthy. And then we try to do some fun things on the weekends, but usually the week is, is yep, yeah. just making things fast and healthy and then spending a little bit more time getting creative on the weekends. But if I probably had to eat like one meal, it would probably be pizza. Oh yeah, I think it's just the perfect food. It, it's and it, the variations, yeah, the combinations oh, are yeah. limitless. Yeah, no, I think we've got this amazing <laughs> recipe for like a fall pizza um, that has butternut squash and oh, nice. you know you think there's apples and honey and uh, chili powder. It's so goat good. Cheese oh, and... yep, give me anything with sage <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> this time of year and pumpkin. So yeah. yep. Yeah, we, I'm taking my son to New York in uh, December. He, Lucky. he turned 10, and I was like, where do you want to go? And he's like, New York. Awesome. So I'm like, all right, let's go. So me and him are going to go, and I'm excited for him to eat a bunch of pizza in New York. I and, don't even know where you begin. There's just so many options I there. I know. It's Gosh. great. So fun. All right. What about, um, you said wine, so yeah. wine over cocktail. Yeah, usually. I mean, I um, ever since having two kids, you know, you go about a year pregnant, you're not yeah. drinking, and then you go however many months of breastfeeding right. and barely drinking. And so I can't really have a whole lot these days, <laughs> you're um, now. much to my chagrin. <laughs> so yeah, it's either one or the other. I'm, I'm definitely wine. Um, 
uh, I can't really drink heavier wines anymore. Yeah. I don't feel good. Yeah, it's more um, light. Yeah, like a lighter Pinot and a Love Rosé. I'm not really a shardy party girl. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then my husband makes a pretty mean, dirty martini. Okay. Um, but again, I don't even think I can finish it. Right. These days. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the dirty martini. Yeah. Do you do blue cheese olives? Oh, yeah. Are you vodka or, or gin? I, I, I like both. Okay. But I, I usually go for gin. I like that. Okay. Florals, yeah, a little bit, yeah. It's got like adds a a little bit of depth to the the flavor there. It does, yeah. Um, what about I mean, do you have anything other than spending time with your family cooking? Do you have a hobby or some sort of talent that you like? (laughs) Can can you juggle or? (laughs) Um, I'm a really good golfer, really. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's actually something I picked up, and I really have a hard time just saying that, but. I picked it up uh, kind of later, you know, into high school, and I, I played golf in, in high school for two years okay. and finished fifth in state. Dang. Um, Golfers and tennis players, they kind of hang, too. I know, but at this point, you know, I was so far in it with tennis yeah. years, and I... You could probably could have been, like, women PGA if you would have, like, pursued that. This sounds so arrogant, and I have such a hard time talking about this. Um, we won't judge you. But I, I think I really would have been a much better golfer. Really? Yeah. yeah, much better. I took two lessons. And probably the competition yeah. would have been a little bit lighter. It is. It is. It's not you one know. of those big mainstream no, sports yeah. that every girl grows up playing golf. Right. It, yeah. So it's um it's kind of fun because my husband... You could have been hanging with Tiger Woods. <laughs> I don't <laughs> well, know. I don't know if you want to hang not, with Tiger not, Woods. Not really one of my favorites. <laughs> um but yeah, it's it's fun for my husband. We you know, we haven't golfed much since right. since the kids came along, but um he likes to uh you know, he likes to see the guy's reaction on the golf when course. When you're just crushing. When we hit the first <laughs> tee and yeah, he tells a he tells it a much better story than I do. <laughs> That's but awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, and, and I actually look forward to doing that a lot more. Um, you know, once my son's a little bit older yeah. and um uh, my husband and I it's it's a lifelong sport and right. my husband plays as well and, oh, and my cool. my family's really into it. So um yeah, I look forward to getting back to that because it is relaxing right. and um I love being outside and um, it's a lot of fun and you can do it with, with anyone really. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of my hidden talent. Golf. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It's weird, but I know. cool too. I can stripe it. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, awesome. I wish I was better at golf. Uh, I, I don't golf at all, but I can drive a mean cart and drink a beer. Oh like yeah. Like nobody's business, you know? It's the best part. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so what about, um, do you have any books or anything like that that you listen to or read? I'm, I just started. I'm, I'm only about 50 or 60 pages in, but I'm reading um, the Dare to Lead book, Brene okay. Brown. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I really like that. And um, I know a lot of friends who have read a bunch of their books, and so they've always kind of been pushing me towards that. So I'm, I'm, I'm working to carve that time yep. to, you know, to read that book, and it, it, a lot of it does hit home. Um, which is nice. It's yeah. um, very applicable to what I'm doing right now. So, what about music? Are you, are you into music? Like what EDM only? Or? <laughs> I love I love music. It's the thing. One of the things right. I love the most about Bar Three is it's so music driven. Yeah, do the, you get to make your own playlists and stuff like we that? We do. We do. Um, it's and like every teacher has their own style, kind of. We or? yeah. We yes yes. Like some instructors have kind of a more. They like a little bit of a poppy sound and then some instructors are a little bit more moody and more tribal and less words and in in our classes 
you know, there's a certain certain part of class that needs a certain type of music, you know, mm-hmm. maybe more house and le- like less talking and more kind of um, ability for people to focus inward. And sometimes, you know, we need a little, you know, a lot of bass. <laughs> um, but that's that's a really fun part of what we do is that we, you know, we're all very musically driven and we love it. And so we let the music craft our classes. Like it mm-hmm. drives how, what we teach, how we teach it. Um, and it really drives, I think what the clients feel is it's, it's hard to describe. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe Rebecca mm-hmm. could tell you a little bit more about it, but music invokes such emotion. Yeah, it does. And, and so in your classes, the uh, certain moments of intensity or moments of, of struggle or moments of, of really kind of drawing inward, um, music does that. Yeah. And, and then at the end of our classes, um, it's been a new kind of evolution to our classes. We, we take some time and it's, it's somewhat of like a guided meditation. It's Mm -hmm. a breath sequence where you just kind of, you really just let go. And just for a couple minutes, you close your eyes and you breathe and, in between the instructor and the music, it's really calming and mm. centering. And in this day and age where all we do is go, 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 60 miles an hour all day long. For those who don't have a consistent meditation practice, it is it is so nice to finish class and to have that time to just kind of recenter yourself. And then you leave class and you're, you know, not only re-energized from the class itself, but you're just um, clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure clients have other ways to kind of describe how they feel, but so much of that is music. And so, so much of my day is listening to music. A lot of it's bar three yeah. music. So, but I do, I, we love going to concerts and, you know, I'm a big Mumford and Sons fan. Nice. Um, but I find myself, you know, kind of steering away from listening to more like bands and radio into more, you know, it's all, it's all about the class. Right. I know. That's awesome. It's super boring. Everything is about bar three and <laughs> <No>. my kids. <laughs> that sounds like a good life. It is. Cause like I, yeah, awesome life. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, hey, I just want to thank you so much yeah. for coming on the show and kind of sharing your story. Sure. Um, I'd like for you to maybe just give one word of encouragement mm-hmm. or someone who's thinking about starting their own business or someone who's maybe in the trenches. Yeah. You know, maybe if you just have a, a, a parting word that you could share. Yeah. Um, I was kind of thinking about this on, you know, leading up to our time and, you know, a couple of things is I think, you know, in terms of starting or running your own business, I think having that, that passion and, and the reason behind, like, what's your why? Like, why are you doing this? Um, I think for most small business owners, it's not about money. You know, um, obviously we all have to be financially, sound and successful in order to continue to run your business and keep the doors open. But, you know, the why it, you know, isn't for me, it isn't about money, Mm -hmm. um, at all. It never has been. And, um, and I think that's why I have so much in my tank is because I have the passion and just the sheer love for it. I, so I think it's, if, if you're chasing something that really matters to you and you know why you're doing it, then you're never going to look for ways to refuel your tank. You know, it's mm-hmm. always going to be there. Right. Um, and then the other piece is that is to have patience, um, to never settle for the right location, the right people, um, the right time. It's just, I think 
having that, that quiet confidence about what you stand for and the quality and your, I guess, never settling is, is would, would be mm-hmm. my kind of piece of advice is that yeah. don't kind of don't worry about who's going to fill the role. It's just wait for the right person. That's awesome. And success will follow. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and sharing your story and just, you know, spending your time with us today. So of course, thank you for your interest. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I wish you all the best and thank you. I just hope that you continue to crush and, uh, when are you going to be in to for a class? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Come on. You know, I like to support in other ways. I watch kids, you know, a lot I know of times you do. I know so you do. that uh, Rebecca can go to classes and, uh, I'm more of a support role. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, um, have an awesome day. Same to you. Okay.